Hello and welcome to Sitcom Geeks. My name is James Carey. I'm Dave Cohen. And we are joined by a writer, author, producer, novelist, all kinds of things, Bill Dare. Hello. Thanks for coming, Bill. Thanks for coming back. Uh, we've been sat here in silence for two to four That's weeks right, yeah. uh, since you were last here. Just waiting here. for me to come back. Just yeah. waiting for you to come back. We haven't yeah. moved. It's uh, pretty smelly in here, but thank waiting you. for Bill. Waiting for Bill. That's that's a show right there. <laughs> and um, Bill, you write all kinds of things, and in, also in the last podcast, we talked about how you slightly regretted not sticking at work, uh, sticking at writing for Weekending, and you then went off and did a whole load of other things. Yeah, I mean, what I, what, what what were those things? Well, basically, uh, you know, I started off with the mistaken idea that I was going to be an actor. Then I thought, no, no, I should, I should really be writing. So I, so I attempted to write for the topical show at the time, which was weekending. But I only who else, who else was writing at the time? Who, when he walked into the room, um, who, who was Nick kicking it? Nick Revel, I think. Nick Revel. Nick Revel. Yeah. Now I'm, yeah, I, that that's the only one I can remember. Is, uh, well, that would have been when Andy Hamilton and Guy Jenkins. They might have just. They might have been a bit older than me, I think. Right. Yeah. They graduated. Yeah, I think Nick Rebel was just sort of leaving and, and moving right. on to other things. But yeah, so yeah, uh, so, so I, I didn't sort of focus just just on writing. Yeah, I, I basically produced for radio and TV. I've written for radio and TV. I've written a couple of plays, a couple of novels, and yeah, I've, I've done a you know a little bit of everything. Also in every genre, I think I've done sketch shows for radio and TV. Panel shows for radio and TV, sitcom for radio t- and TV, um, topical shows, non-topical shows, live shows, mm. um, Edinburgh shows, bit yeah. of everything. Right. Basically, jack of all trades. No one knows what pigeonhole to put me in. Yeah. Um, You've forgotten also that you were a musician with Bristol Reunion. I was in a bit. 1978. I, was a, I was a musician as well. Very, yeah. very bad one. I really that that I have no regrets about giving that. Well, up. I don't know. I <laughs> but I think I think what it. Well, it is because sometimes people ask, you know, what, 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 why don't you just do the one thing? And it's because, for me, comedy always comes first. I'm not interested particularly in television. Um, you know, I, I've read broadcasts maybe four or five times in my life. I couldn't tell you the commissioners at the BBC, who they are, what all the controllers, what their names are. That's probably just as well, because they change every well, exactly. six to exactly. 18 months. That's exactly yeah. one of the reasons why... goes out, who knows? That's, who knows? that's a, one of the reasons I don't, I don't remember their names, or even try to. Because um, it's comedy that I'm interested in, and if, you know, if I've got a, an idea that I think would make a good play, then I've written the play. And put it on in Edinburgh, or if it's a novel, then I've then I've written the novel. It's not a great way of getting rich, but um, that, that's what I've always done. That's interesting because I, I mean, how how do you know? I mean, that's the thing that I always I, I I do struggle with that. I'll have an idea and I sort of think, well, well is it a play? Is well, it a sitcom? Like, I don't know, but you know, it's just it's just what drives you. I mean, for me, you know, because with the students, often they'll say, you know, you know. It, should I do this? I've got this idea. Should I do it, Bill? Is it, is it a good idea? And the, and the one question they tend not to ask themselves is, how do they feel about the idea? Are they passionate about an idea? Because to me, a good idea is something that you're so passionate about, it drives you to then write a good script. Let's talk a bit more about that. So, uh, Bill, you are involved in the National Film and Television School, the NFTS, as is uh, Dave. And I've come in and done bits and pieces um, uh, as well. You have students who come in for a year, is that right? Yeah, they, they, we, ha- we um, meet on Tuesday evenings mm. uh, for a year and then they go off and do their graduation project 
with uh, a mentor from mm. the industry. I yeah. believe you've been a, a I had been a mentor, yes, yes. And, and really enjoyed it, actually. Yeah. Mm. And, um, yeah, it's it's been a very uh, uh, pleasurable experience. So these you've got these students who are saying, I've got this idea. I mean, for me, I'm most interested in situation comedy, especially audience, studio situation yeah. comedy. So I see every idea through a lens of that, thinking, here's an idea, could that be a sitcom? Yeah. Whereas you tend to think more the other way, which is, here's a funny thing, what is it? Yes, I do, yeah. And, right. and to what extent, when you're advising these students, are you sort of trying to help them to work out whether they're fans of a format or whether they're fans of, a, of an idea? Or, and how do, you, how do you go about getting well, them to... Well, this is... I mean, the, the course is very much about writing for radio and TV. So, yeah, I mean, I would guide them to, to, to write for radio, TV and sitcom. And this year... I'm really trying to get them to write for audiences because um, one reason is because we tr- we try we do little tryouts in front of audiences, mm. so it helps if they've written something for an audience. And also, it seems to me that if you're writing comedy, sooner or later you've got to face the audience. You've got to make people laugh. And okay, maybe at some point you want to write a single camera show, something dark, something edgy. Fine, but I think you've you've got to go through that process of proving yourself mm. and. and and making people laugh out loud. Is it because some of them are... Uh, it, it is interesting to me how mm. the main channels keep talking about being, being desperate for audience sitcom and then and then broadly not making any, um, or making some but not much. And, and yet the live comedy sort of thing has never really been bigger. Uh, mm, so yeah. you, And you now have tons of, uh, of writer performers who then go off and make a non-audience show. Um and you have some who make an audience show as well. It seems that there's this great big mix of of formats and people who want to make comedy, but they don't ever want to be in front of an audience. They want to be make stuff for YouTube. And well, we know. I mean, we know some of the reasons, don't we? I mean, one, if you do an audience show, you're you're almost certainly going to get terrible reviews, mm. um, and you can't, you know. As a, uh, although I'd, I'd yeah. like to point out that my non-audience show. Also, also got terrible reviews. Yeah. By which I mean, we had two full pages of AA Gill in the Sunday Times saying wow. that our shows that we, that, you know, was that you've got to let yeah. go. Yeah, I'm going to let go. Gotta let go. But yeah. you know, but 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 bad let reviews. Go of Gill. Yeah. Take your hand off his windpipe. <laughs> I can't do that. I'm afraid. Well, you have that in common with Faulty Towers. Okay, so terrible right. reviews. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, terrible reviews. You and you, you have you do have less control as a performer. Uh, you get maybe two or three chances to do your scene, mm. and that's it. You know, with with a single camera, you know, you can you know redo things many mm. more times. And and with a play, I'm currently directing a play at the moment. Ah, yes. You can rehearse. Yes. And I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. It's wow. a fantastic experience yeah. where we're actually doing a scene, rehearsing it more than three times. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Incredible. maybe fifteen or twenty times. We had a we we had a little discussion on uh, Facebook um, a couple of weeks ago about about uh, the audience sitcom and why you know why aren't there being audience sitcoms made and it is it is interesting that you're getting your students to do audience sitcom now because a lot of the, a lot of uh, people at the BBC they say well the problem is we don't get sent enough audience sitcom scripts so that's a good starting point is that more people send scripts. They are interested because they do definitely want to make them. But uh, it was just interesting. I thought of some uh, thing of a colleague of ours, Danny Robbins, who's a very funny comedy writer. He actually uh, he sort of joined in the discussion. He had two audience sitcom pilots that he made um, two years ago, um, and they were both 
uh, neither of them went to series. But he did say that he just uh, you do find at every level when you're writing an audience sitcom, you just meet hostility. The sort of the social media audiences, people on social media generally don't like audience sitcom, but not everybody's on social media, of course, and you know millions of people do watch audience sitcom but, and, and don't yeah. tweet about it. Yes, <laughs> exactly. it's kind of seen yeah. somehow it's not as clever, isn't it? Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. And yet, I think it's yeah. the hardest of the lot. It's the hardest thing to write, absolutely. Yeah. It's the and, and, you know, you t- it's. I think it's seen as a little bit old-fashioned. You tend to get bigger performances. It's it it it's probably quite often a less subtle. Hmm. Um, but I find, yeah, yeah, I'm fine with that. Well, yeah. subtlety yeah. is is, is yeah. overrated. Yeah. Um, going back, you were you were dragged as a child to or to watch the rag trade being recorded. Well, the rag trade. For nearly all the <laughs> listeners, uh, was a very, very popular show in I think the sixties, and then, then it was brought back in the seventies. And when I was a child, well, my, my dad was in, he was the star of it basically. And uh, in the very early seventies, yeah, I used to go and watch it being recorded. So I suppose there's a kind of um, yeah, I suppose I sort of feel a, a little bit more at home in a studio than mm. than some people. But I remember. Um, can I can I tell one of the jokes that the warm-up man? Please do. Well? Now I'm not sure. Now you've, you've you've got to bear in mind this was 1972, and this this warm-up man would would come on and uh, he did this every week, same kind of joke. He'd sort of pick a family out in in the near the front row row, and he'd say, um, "Oh, we've got a family in the front row, and uh, two, um, two two lovely daughters." Uh, grown-up daughters. Uh, oh, well, aren't, aren't they very pretty? Aren't they very, very pretty, sir? Aren't they? Um, so I bet you wish you were still bathing them. <laughs> yeah. And he would do that every week. He would do that every week. Right. And no okay. one, no one. But yeah, but the audience just laughed. The, yeah. the dad would laugh. Yeah. yeah. The mother would laugh. The daughters would laugh. Everyone just thought that was. Well, you're right. But if you, if you actually <laughs> think about that joke for very long, you don't even need to think about it, it that long, just, that hard. It's just extraordinary, isn't it? Very different times. Yeah. But also, I mean, culturally, they're obviously very different times. But also, um, your dad being a star of a sitcom, mm. that was great to be, wow, you got a sitcom. Yeah. Now, when you're thinking about, oh, wouldn't it be great to do um, an audience uh, sitcom, and you're thinking, who could we cast in this, who can we cast in that? Quite often, I'm thinking, well, why would so and so agree to be in an audience sitcom? Yes. What's in it for them? Yes. Um, yes. And, you know. It's very unforgiving. It's... I mean, I think um, David Haig is one of our finest actors. He's brilliant. Brilliant yeah. actors. Yeah. Really funny. And he was in the not very successful Ben Elton yeah. thing recently. The right, the right, the right way. The, the right, right way. Stuff, yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, I haven't seen him on television since. I mean, he probably has been, mm-hmm. but it can it can really damage your career. Mm, yeah, you think so? You think that that being yeah. in that sitcom? Um, was, was yes, I think it can. It's really? A, if you're in a, really? I mean, if you're star for some reason, if you're starring in a very high profile uh, sitcom and it really, really tanks, you can somehow not appear on television for yeah. quite a long time afterwards. But also, even if you're kind of uh, cool and successful and and filling out big. Um, big theatres across as a, as a comedian, you think, well, they wouldn't really want to be in a sitcom that they don't have control over, and it seems unlikely that they would choose to do. You know, they want to make a show like Catastrophe, which is cool and on Channel Four, yeah. and you know, is going to win awards and all that kind of stuff. Or make The Detectorist, which is nuanced and niche and all that kind yeah, of thing. With, with They're the not going to want to be some. The exception, I suppose, is not going out. 
which yeah. is which is but but then of course it is written by the by the star. Yeah. yeah. But but I mean the amount of work that Lee puts into not going out and uh, I mean really a hell of a lot of work and and the amount of time that it takes to do that. Uh, if you think that he probably uh, he probably earns as much and probably gets as much profile from doing spending twelve nights a year doing Would I Lie to You mm. um, and doing the odd night if I got news for you and and you know he could just spend his whole career doing that he doesn't he doesn't have to do it it is very much a, a labour of love and he's really trying to keep the genre alive the audience sitcom and you know kind of move it into the twenty first century and I think that's that's the thing is that you have to find a way if you are doing sitcom, don't you now, of, of having a having a, a, a sort of modern and postmodern take on it, yeah. like Mrs. Brown's Boys, yeah. which is you know we're not even going to pretend that we're doing a, like a like a, a story here. You know we're going to. Break, and Miranda break was, out. A, was a little yeah. bit like that. Yeah, yeah, breaking yeah. the fourth wall definitely. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, it feels like you need to sort of explain why you're doing this, which again feels a bit of a shame mm. to me because we don't. When we watch the old shows again, and I, mm. I never tire of tweeting that the most successful sitcom on BBC Two and Channel Four every week is Dad's Army, gets two million viewers. Um, mm. Someone the, should make a film of that. Yeah, this has yeah, got real potential. <laughs> yeah. um, but the audience aren't thinking, what, why are they doing this? Um, no. And, the, and the, that, that same audience are watching, you know, fourteen episodes of Friends a week on Comedy Central mm-hmm. and watching Big Bang Theory. Yes. So it seems to me very odd that we have to explain away, apologise for, work out some way of sort of acknowledging the elephant in the room, which is this is all being recorded in front of an audience. So um Well it is it's, it's a difficult one because it is actually people people I think only notice the inverted commas canned laughter which of course isn't canned laughter it's it's a genuine audience laughing but people notice it when they're not enjoying a show and people don't i don't i think the vast majority of people don't think oh friends is an audience sitcom i like watching friends they don't they they just think it's a sitcom don't they i was just thinking that canned laugh thing is very interesting isn't it i was thinking the other day why i nearly sort of tweeted during a panel game What's all this canned laughter? <laughs> I'd much prefer this show if it didn't have a laugh track on it. Yeah. Imagine watching, you know, insert name here or have I got news for you in yeah. silence. Well, funny enough, <laughs> funny enough, what what is the show Victoria Corrin does? It's not a co- it's not a comic. Oh, exactly. uh, only connect. Only is that? It, or there was one after that that I think. Well, maybe it was. Only yeah, yeah. But that I, I've been to a few uh, yeah. recordings of panel shows there yeah. where there haven't actually been any laughs going on at all, <laughs> yeah. and uh, those are shows that didn't go out. Actually, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but, but, but that only good connect reason. is a bit odd for not having an audience because because quite often it's quite funny. Yeah, and there's just that sort of odd sort of silence yeah. and uh, and nobody it was interesting that nobody has subsequently before or since used the Kenny Everett form of studio audience which is the crew ah yes no audience yeah. but a crew and they yeah. recorded the crew's laughter and yeah. left it in yeah and that's just that's. I didn't know that for his TV show for his I think his ITV show oh really I didn't yeah, know yeah they had no audience and they that just recorded it was a very it. common thing in the sort of late in the, the kind of 90s channel 4 late night shows yeah. you know, so that the, you get the uh, the kind of the the crew laughter going on. Yeah, the big, big breakfast. Yeah, yeah to some extent, yeah. yeah. But just, but yeah, yeah Kenny Everett doing it was, was, was very interesting. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, Ben Elton there. Now, of course, you were you you were there really. You were there at the start I, of Alternative I, well, Comedy. I, yeah, Where I started you? it. In fact, yeah, I was at Manchester University. Obviously, I'm much younger than Ben Elton. He was uh, in the year above. 
well, <laughs> way two, younger. Two, yeah. two years ago. Okay. And, um, yeah, he, you know, this was sort of just, just I suppose, at the time when um, sort of so-called alternative comedy was, was just starting. And I think, and I don't know how widely this is, this is known, but I think a lot of it comes down to a play written by Trevor Griffiths. For example, James, have you do you, do you know the play? No, no, that's interesting. Yeah. Take, do comedians, you? Yeah. Yeah, 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 it's called the Comedians, yeah. and it was it was about um, some comedians who were being coached actually in a in a sort of um, evening institute sort of place, and the coach talked about um, sexism and racism in in comedy. And the whole play was really about that. Mm. And one of the sort of famous little quotes was, um, you know, that's a joke that hates women. No one had heard that sort of <laughs> terminology yeah. before about 1980-81 when this play came out. Yeah. And I was in a production of it, actually, at Manchester University. And I'm pretty sure that that influenced the whole generation of, of comedians like Alexis Sale, who undoubtedly would have seen it. Has that play been on much yeah, subsequently? Yeah. Is it regularly revised? It is and... fairly regularly. I think it was, uh, was it Jimmy Jewell? Yeah, Jimmy Jewell. Yeah, it was on when it was on TV. Yeah, it does come, it, it kind of comes around again and it kind of, it's sort of almost instantly dated. It was, yeah. Uh, it was so much of the yeah, moment that it now it does, it, 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 sort of within a few years it sort of felt old fashioned. But I'm just interested that you know, you your the, the, your background very much. You know, your your dad is very mm. much the sort of the traditional background, and then suddenly you're exposed to all this kind of well, new stuff. And... I, 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 then the comedy store started mm. very soon after that, and Ben Elton was one was one of the original performers, uh, and it was my dad who took me. All right. Yeah, he took me, and um, I remember being really, really excited by it. I just thought, this is just amazing, because it was Rick Mayle, mm. Aid Edmondson, and uh, Nigel Planer, and Alexis Sale, and uh, and I was really gutted to find that it cost £4.50, because it meant I couldn't go every week. Right. £4.50 was a lot of money then. Yeah. And I just thought, God, that's just so much. Yeah. Uh, I would have gone every week if I could have done. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, I didn't know, this is, I didn't know, you did a, a double act with uh, Simon Bly, a stand-up well, yes. comedian of my generation, my yeah. funny guy. Yeah, I, what was we, the... very briefly. Um, oh. In fact, it wasn't so much a double act as we sort of took it in turns to do our bits. Oh, right. <laughs> oh, no, we did do a little double act together. We yeah. did do a little, okay. yeah, it was called Teddy and Eddie. Okay, wow. Um, right. <laughs> yeah. But you've also, you've done, a, I mean, you... you 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 consider yourself foremost as a writer, but you have done a lot of producing, haven't you? Yeah, well, both. I, I, I kind of write a producer, and sometimes I've been lucky enough to write and produce my own material, which not many people get a chance to do, which is another reason why I've done a lot of radio, because it's not, you know, television doesn't really welcome the writer, the producer, writer, producer, rather. Unless, yeah. of course. You're you called know, Armando Iannucci. Iannucci yeah. or Graham Linehan. Don't, yeah. Don't yeah. ever quote those people yeah. as to say, you know, oh, but surely we could do it like yeah. Armando Iannucci. That's not a compelling argument. No, not, Only no. those guys get to do it. You, exactly. you don't, yeah. by and large. Exactly. In one sense, is it not... I think, I'm, I mean, um, I'm grateful for a producer quite often because they sort of save you from yourself at times. Do you not feel that actually that extra layer of, are you sure about this? Yeah, uh, is actually helpful. Is that not? Yeah, I mean, um, having said, I've done a lot of writing and producing. The, the only thing I, I really wrote and produced a lot of was a show called The Secret World. Um, I wrote about a third of it, 
but I work very closely with two other writers, mm. or two or th but it's actually several other writers. So we all looked at each other's work right. and sort of said, "Oh, this I don't think this is quite right." Yeah, yeah. Plus, you have the cast who are quite sort yeah. of vocal about uh, what they liked and didn't like. Plus, I always over-recorded a lot, mm. and um, plus, I'm always racked with self-doubt. Okay, so I'm always telling myself you're worrying, something's crap. You're worrying for two yes. people as it is. You are, you are a writer then, not yes. a producer. Well, probably, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, so so those are the things that protected me, I guess. Self-doubt is not a good skill for a producer, is it, really? Do you think? Yeah. Well, I think, well, I think you've got to be the person who sort of says that isn't quite good enough. So mm. it's not, perhaps it's not self-doubt, but it's, you, you've, got to, you've got to be the one who calls it sometimes, don't you? Hmm. Go back to your students, um, mm. as we sort of try to uh, begin to wrap this thing up. Um, they arrive full of uh, hope and expectation. And I destroy that. And you destroy that. Yeah. Yeah. Many of them have already had some experience yes. in the industry already, because it's, it's actually quite hard to get onto this course, isn't yeah. it? You have to apply and you can't yeah. just turn up and You have pay to do, write some material yeah. and send it off and all that. And so what are, I mean, we talked earlier about this, Dave, you had some thoughts on it as well. What, what sort of things do they tend to think at the start of this journey? And what kind of things do they think at the end of it? Well... Um, I, I think they probably start by thinking that they're funnier than they are and that it's going to be fairly easy. And I think a few of them have a sort of rude awakening when we read their sketches in class and it, nobody laughs. <laughs> um, and I think they probably realise that it's a lot harder work than they, than they think. Um, and they do get better. Yeah. I, I've just read the sitcom scripts that last year's intake have written. And I was really... Quite actually, quite shocked by how good a lot of them were, I, and I, I felt, hope you burnt them. Well, I, I, I felt be, like burning yeah, some. These of them. people thought, must be stopped. Yeah, <laughs> my kids stop, need shoes. Stop them. <laughs> um, but yeah, I did feel a little bit. I thought a lot of it was was kind of. I mean, when I say funnier than what I could write, that doesn't mean that I'm the kind of standard. But if you read a lot of material that's funnier than you could do, you, you do feel slightly. Oh, you know, <laughs> um, there's that self doubt again. Yes, it's the self doubt yeah. kicks in. But yeah. no, there was some really, really good stuff. Yeah, I think that that going back to what we were saying before about the importance of having your stuff performed live, I think is really uh, is really important. And that's why for me, in previous episodes, we've talked about should I do my should I make a YouTube video? Um, and my advice is generally. Oh, <laughs> don't, my, don't my, bother. No, my advice is do. Right. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, you you know, YouTube is a way of getting your work out there. But I think um, what what I'm what I'm particularly advising against is is here is a sitcom that no one will want to do. I'm now going to start to make it for the for YouTube to show everyone what a great idea it is. And in the end, it often turns out to be either not very funny, badly produced, but it's, you know, it, it is yeah. a, it is a 30, 30 person job, yeah. 40 person job to get something Which, looking good. Yeah. And on YouTube, they also have, you know, YouTube, you're competing with iPlayer, the audience who are watching it, they don't care that you don't have the money. They no. don't care. No. So I, my, my main worry is people spending months and thousands of pounds trying to get their idea on television. And the YouTube is the way of doing that. And I think mm, well, I really not with a that. sitcom, but a sketch or two. Yeah, fine. I think a, you can do a funny sketch on YouTube and, yeah. and get a bit of a following that way, and just sort of short, short, and yeah, yeah. something very short. Yeah, yeah. Um, just, just I want, I want to talk to you a little bit about some of the, the things you've done, but also 
Um, coming back to what we were saying about, you know, whether you, is is this a sitcom or is it a book or whatever. Mm. I know that the, the show you did, um, Brian Gulliver's Travels, which uh, I first heard on the radio, and then you wrote as as a novel. And, yeah. Uh, and then, ha- and I gather you you it's it's moving on now. Well, it's been... it's it's been optioned by an American uh, producer. Yeah. To be what? which means it will definitely be on television. Absolutely, yeah. without a um, doubt. As, yeah. a t- as a TV show, as a TV so show, it's, it's been kind a, of a, it's it's been a bit of everything. Hasn't it's it? been That's a bit of everything. Yeah. You see, I wanted to do what Douglas uh, Adams did. You know, start on the radio, then uh, move to TV, and then film, and then books, and you know, yeah. it hasn't quite gone that in that sort of what, mega. How when the idea came? How did what made you first think? Oh, this is obviously a radio. Show. Well, partly because it's about someone who visits different worlds. It's called Brian Gulliver's Travels, and it's mm. a, a, a sort of... It's not really an update, it's just my own... I just stole the idea. Mm. I just stole the Swift's idea about someone who goes to different continents and meets weird people. But it would have been very, very expensive to do on, on TV. That's mm. essential. And it was... I mean, it's quite satirical. It's not... What the awful phrase people keep using now in television, balls out funny. Right. You know, it's it's... You know, it's it's a a bit of a subtle satire. I I'm guess. surprised that people, because so yeah. much TV isn't balls out funny. I know it's all very nuanced and and yeah. quiet and gentle and yeah. and actually this whole balls out funny thing is like, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm fine with balls out funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm afraid I've never heard that phrase. Haven't before you? Today. Oh. Yeah. And now I've heard it three times, three times too many. Oh, <laughs> sorry about that. Laugh out loud yes, is, is right. the other way, yes, as if there's yes. any other way of yeah. laughing. Yeah. It's just that. Having regularly seen Malcolm Hardy uh, right. produce his balls, uh, <laughs> the, 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 yeah. the memory of that is what that sort of makes yeah. me think of, really. For, for the benefit <laughs> of the listener, Dave is now rocking backwards and forwards. It's uh, yes. it's somebody, somebody get him a bag to blow into. <laughs> um, so, I mean, what just as we sort of kind of rounding this up, really? I mean, what advice? What's the what's this kind of what's the, if there's like one piece of advice that you'd have to give to a new uh, writer. I'm going I'm to raise the stakes on that. Two pieces of advice. Yeah. One is, what would you have told yourself that, sort of oh. 30 years ago or 20 years ago? And what would you advise people now? Because obviously these are two very different, you know, yeah. things are different to when now from when I started out, only 15, 20 mm. years ago. One piece of advice, I think that um, if, you, if you want to be a writer, you know, writers write. So... Don't wait for an opportunity or uh, something to happen so that then you write. Write now. There's nothing to stop anyone writing a sitcom. All you need is really a pencil and paper. So um, I type it up before you send it, it to up. anyone. Yeah, but definitely. Even then, and don't use green ink. No. Um, but I mean, that's that's it. And, and write what you feel passionate about, because yeah. that that you know, uh, I think I may have said, um, you know, a good idea is is an idea that that. Um, you feel passionate enough about to actually finish. Yeah. Not only finish, but to find out about and to, so there's, it feels like you've got a freshness to it, isn't it? It's yeah. Like, Cause yeah. We, we have a thing about the idea of write what you know is sort of, well, I wouldn't do that. Write what, write what excites you. Well, write what excites you. Yeah, yeah. I would say. Yeah. Which is often what you know. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the starting point. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's write what you don't know. Yeah. And then, yeah. I mean, um, I think, two of the important things a, a writer needs is feedback and a deadline mm. and if you haven't got that you know, because you, you know you haven't got a producer then try and get a, a group of people or a friend or a, someone 
who you can give your work to whose opinion is is really useful mm. and tr- and give yourself deadlines because without them most people including me don't really write there's always something else to do isn't there yeah. um but uh, but yeah brilliant very good advice thank you bill thank you very much for coming in You're, it's a pleasure thank you and uh we that's it we're done yes I yes so. um yeah. so do um uh, look on our Facebook page, send us your first 10 pages of sitcoms and we'll do some bumper uh, episodes where we go through a whole load of those. Sitcomgeeks at gmail.com. Sitcomgeeks at gmail.com. Uh, Bill, are you on Twitter? I am. What are you on Twitter? Bill something underscore dare, I think. At yeah. Bill underscore dare. Yeah. Yeah. Bill's got a very good book. Uh, Brian Gulliver's Travels is a novel. It's very funny. Um, I enjoyed it. And you I've not yet read it. it. I Bless shall read it. Oh, yes. It's right on that bookshelf. Yes, I saw it, it there. In this me. He did not put that there earlier, <laughs> no, as far as I'm no, aware. No, James has also uh, written a book. Called Writing That Sitcom. Which is very funny. Which you can and, get. And useful. It's, well, yes, it's, it's partly, yeah. thank you. It, I, I see it. I, I advertise it. It's, it's part how-to and part intervention. Mm. I spent at least the first few pages trying to talk you out of trying to write a sitcom. Because yeah. I'm increasingly of the view that wanting to write a sitcom is a form of mental illness. <laughs> and um, uh, Dave has also written an excellent book called How to Be Adversely Successful at Comedy. So I heartily recommend getting that. And you're working on another one? Uh, yes. Well, as I say, it's called Write What You Don't Know. Excellent. Great. Um, find us on Facebook. Find us on iTunes and leave a nice review. That would be a good way of showing your support because we're not asking for your money yet so uh thank you very much to katie our producer thank you katie thank you and we will speak to you next time bye bye